Open Field Radio. Like, subscribe, share, and review wherever podcasts are found. If I had to describe this, I'd say it's cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Because ag and life live side by side and sometimes overlap. I'm your host, Mark Flint, and this is Open Field Radio. Brought to you by Gowan Company. Stephen Ritz, Bronx, New York, founder of the Green Bronx Machine, urban farmer, educator, best-selling author. His TED Talk is legendary. You've seen him on the Today Show, Disney, PBS, and more. We talk it all right now. Stephen? Mark? How are you, my friend? I am well. I'm excited and ready. Let's do it. Let's get at it. Man, you now, you're in New York City right now? I am I am in the beautiful Bronx. We talked yesterday, you and I. When I called you, you said, hey, let me call you in two hours because I'm stuck in traffic. And two hours later, you'd gone two miles? Two miles, yeah. Welcome oh. to New York. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words because I went through all the stuff you sent me. And I don't even know where to start. There is so much here. This is absolutely amazing. Where did the passion for the urban garden come from? Beats the hell out of me. Understand. <laughs> um, you know, I, to this day, am still not a farmer. Everyone in my family is better than me, and none of my family are born farmers. All of my students are better than me. Um, you know, so it's a remarkable episode that actually happened, um, you know, out of a tragedy in my life. Okay. But I still absolutely marvel that you could put a seed in the ground and, you know, 30 or 60 days later, you get this amazing plant that you could eat or sell. I marvel at it season after season. You know, today I was harvesting today, 30 days and 60 days later, you know, here sure. I am. I'm still doing it season after season, much like you guys do over there at Cowan. That's right. Will you say something? I was looking at your site and the, actually, the promo video on your site, and you said you give a child a seed, and you give them hope and a vision for the future. Well, yeah, when you put a seed in a child's hand, or even in a veteran's hand, or a senior citizen's hand, or anybody's hand, you're making that person a promise that that seed, just like they, are going to grow into something great. And that seed represents God-given genetic potential. And for me, as an educator and a community activist, and you know, all the things that I do, you know, I want every child in every community to, to you know, express their God-given genetic potential and to, and to become the fullest possible plant they can become. You know, get out there and express yourself. In terms of genetic words, get out there and express yourself. I love it. I love it. I'm smiling very big listening to you because you're so, uh, you're so motivating in that way, and I'm sure that plays into to everything that you do. Yeah, but let me back up a little bit because you, as a farmer, will get a kick out of this. Let's so, go. You know, my farming story is one of an absolute accidental success. And remarkably, you know, I had some tragedy. For years, I had been working in some of the most marginalized and challenged communities in and across New York City, and particularly in the Bronx. Okay. And I had a very rough year, one year, losing some students um, to illness and violence. And then even within my own family, my wife and I lost two children. Oh and I wound up taking a job just closest to my physical home to save on commuting time. I felt like the half hour each way going to work, um, you know, making an hour a day was better spent with my family. So I went, I just picked the school closest walk to my apartment 
and applied for a job there, only to find out it was the worst high school in all of New York City. To give you some context, it had 256 felonies in the building. We had 18 armed police officers, 48 school safety agents, 256 felonies, and a 17% graduation rate. Surprise! Welcome to work! And of all things, they throw me in this school. They look at my resume and say, man, you know, you must be a pretty, pretty diverse guy. You must be a pretty adept and pretty adaptable. So we're going to have you teach science. And I don't know if you remember <laughs> this, uh, this song by Thomas Dolby, Blinded Me with Science. I my first well. response was, science? <laughs> exactly. What the hell is you blinded me with science? I've never taught science in my life. Oh, you know, no. I know nothing about science. So I'm freaking out. It turns out they give me 17 overage, undercredited youth, a lot of them with a variety of baggage, whether it was special needs, adjudication, foster care, probation, um, you know, a lot of sad, a lot of sad kind of tragic stories that sadly make up far too much of the New York City and urban public school landscape. Okay. And they just lumped all these kids together and said, here, you know, do something great. And oh, by the way, we have nothing for you to do it with or no, no way for you to do it or no instruction or manual. But, you know, you're, you'll figure it out. So you'll get, get them in the room, keep them, get them in the room, keep them in there. And, uh, you know, don't call too much. You know, don't call <laughs> us. We'll call you. Right. So I put out this frantic uh, request on the Internet, if you will, to my colleagues. Help. You know, I send on my crazy AOL account, which I still have. So it goes Love to it. show you I haven't evolved too much. There you go. And, you know, I put yeah, I put a help. I'm teaching science. Can you send me a microscope, a, a something, a, a tablet, you know, a telescope, something? Sure. What do you do? You know, I had a pretty good network of people and like to say, right. I know a guy. So about three <laughs> weeks later, I get a call in the loudspeaker on the class. Mr. Ritz, come to the principal's office, please. <laughs> and like, the kids are ecstatic. They're like, yeah, he got his transfer. <laughs> exactly. They're getting rid of this guy. You know, like, oh, he, I'm like, WT? after yeah. I do now, you know, <laughs> exactly. what could this be? What could be? And I go in there and there's the principal's secretary. And she's like, Mr. Ritz, look, you've got this big box. And I'm like, yes, yeah. thank you, Jesus. I have come to religion. You know, it is Christmas Day in the Bronx in September. Um, and I look at this <laughs> box and I'm thinking, wow, the internet works. That, that Al Gore, he knew what he was talking about. And, you know, I have this huge box and it says, Mr. Rich, science teacher. And like a kid on Christmas morning, I go running over to her desk. I rip right. open the box. And inside of these things that look like onions. And I'm like, WTF? Who would do such a terrible thing to me? Send me a box of onions. Right. And I'm like, Shiznit, literally. I'm like, holy <laughs> shiznit, this really sucks. <laughs> I pick up the box and I walk out of the principal like, dejected, like, man, this is some kind of cruel joke. Like, I'm being punk. You know, like, where's Al Funt? Where's MTV? You know, I'm going to be on someone's picture somewhere. Sure. I take this box of onions and I literally walk back to class. The kids are at lunch. I throw it behind the radiator, behind the window. And I forget about it. Literally, you know, I got a sight out of mind. This just ain't going to work. Right. Anyway, fast forward about eight weeks later, there's a huge, <laughs> huge fight in class. And this skinny little sarcastic kid is going after the toughest girl in class, Carol, with cheap piercings and tattoo sleeves and tattoos, multiple piercings, and hits her right between the eyes with a joke about a mother. 
and the whole class is just rolling on the floor. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it is on. Carol throws over her desk and, in, and gets up, and then, like, in slow motion, my career is <laughs> over. And she goes running across the room to Gonzalo, and Gonzalo then goes reaching under the radiator, and I'm like, holy crap, what is he going to get? You know, my right. career <laughs> is really over. And lo and behold, he sticks his hand under the radio and comes out with a handful of flowers and starts throwing them in, his, in this girl's face. And the whole class is flipping out. She starts laughing. She starts smiling. I'm like, where'd these flowers come from? WTF yet again. And we look behind the radiator and it turns out that that whole box was a bunch of flowers. And what it was, was it turns out that in this box are flowers and none of us right. know anything. We're all like, you know, are you kidding me? What's up? Mm -hmm. The boys are like, let's give these out to the girls for sex. The girls are like, we can bring them home. We can sell them. We could do all these things. And it turns out that these things, onions, were actually flower bulbs. Fun. They were daffodil bulbs. And, and people had sent them to me to like get the children involved in building public spaces and to help plant daffodils in memory of 9-11 and it turns out that that year my gang kids and i planted twenty-five thousand bulbs across new york city whoa uh, to commemorate 9-11 we built farms everywhere we even got invited to city hall city council thought that we were the honors program they were a little surprised to find out we weren't <laughs> but the kids dressed up nicely and that was a great teachable moment for everybody sure and uh we went on to have an urban landscape moment and I started learning. It was also right at the time that Mayor Bloomberg, if you remember I him, do. was talking about green roofs and green walls and the New Yorkers for parks moment and that every New Yorker should be within five minutes of a walk to a park. So it created an opportunity for me to focus in on living wage job skills with these children's park maintenance, urban restoration, urban remediation, um, landscaping, gardening, golf courses. Everything, And I really became a very credible figure in the community for connecting young people who wanted to work with living wage opportunities. Um, that really meant that if you brought your body, your brain would follow. And it was amazing because hmm. back then, so much of New York was really desolated by the 80s and 90s of the crack wars. Right. That there were so many empty lots that we started taking over lots and rooftops and taking, you know, abandoned places and desolate spaces and turning them into highly productive places. And people loved us. You may not have liked our children. They may not have been the gang that you wanted on your block. But when you wanted something done, you called us and we got in there and we did it with a smile. Look at that. And then we started learning about food, quite frankly. And it was remarkable because we got an invite to uh, Whole Foods, the first Whole Foods when it opened in Manhattan. Wow. And realized, you know... 15 years ago, I couldn't tell you 10 kinds of vegetables. Right. You know, my food group, you know, my the four <laughs> food groups were, you know, the clown, the king, the colonel, and Mrs. Debbie. Sure. Um, you know, so we wound up going to Whole Foods. We saw all these people. We got drunk on tomatoes. You know, we went into a supermarket that looked like a cornucopia of beauty, saw all these things and people paying cash for them. And the kids were like, forget the flowers and the grass, Mr. Ritz. Let's start growing vegetables. And remarkably, and, and it still rings true today, whether my children loved vegetables or not then and now, 
hunger is something that really resonates within communities like mine. So everyone knows what it's like to be hungry or they knew someone who was hungry. Sure. And so many of my students were getting meals after school at soup kitchens. So we started growing food to support soup kitchens and doing amazing things. And the rest is history. Um, we wound up going on uh, through our friends at Gotham Greens, um, who you may or may not have heard of. They are, you know, a rooftop or urban farm here in New York City. We learned about hydroponics. My students and I got fascinated with that. We wound up going on to win the National Indoor Gardening Championship, yeah. only to get invited to a show um, out in California that wasn't quite exactly vegetables. It was a different kind of farming. And I should have known something was up when we got to San Francisco <laughs> and I saw a bunch of guys, you know, with fancy shoes and, and uh, titanium glasses and big earrings, right. you know, with no one, no yeah. one in boots and overalls. Right. So the kid, you know, it turns out that it was the um, urban farm of, you know, the marijuana farming right. industry. Right. And, you know, they all thought I was the coolest. The kids thought I was amazing. They're like, Mr. Ritz, we thought you were cool, but this takes it to a whole yeah, this new solidifies level. solidifies it right um, there. Yeah, this really solidified <laughs> it. I thought I was definitely going to lose my job. But in the middle of this kind of um, field show, if you will, of all kinds of technologies, I happened to find this little device called a tower garden that I thought would be great for schools. Okay. And I literally felt that I could transform the lens of public education through the art and science of growing vegetables indoors aligned to Common Core, Next Generation Science Standards, P21, and International Baccalaureate. And, you know, 50,000 students later, 500 schools later, 100,000 pounds of vegetables later, here we are. So we're growing. Uh, I like to say we grow vegetables. Our vegetables grow students. Our students grow schools. And our schools grow happy, healthy, resilient communities. And it is game on, my man. I love it. <laughs> Listen to that. Listen to that. Beyond, what's really, really incredible, quite frankly, is, you know, I still don't even know the formula for photosynthesis. Um, but, but, you know, that joke to the side, what's really remarkable is that, you know, the communities that have the least, like, the least access to healthy, fresh food really benefit the most from this. Um, because for so many children, sadly, farming equates to slavery or migrant labor. So when you actually take farming and make it sexy and do it indoors year round with 90 percent less water and 90 percent less space and can kind of make it fun and exciting with a with a curriculum and some fancy handheld devices, they really get into it. But so many people in my community are immigrants. We are in the poorest of the five boroughs. Sure. I reside within the poorest congressional district in America. People really respect fresh food. So when you can grow it and grow it exponentially and do it year-long and provide it in a community that has limited means and limited access to it, wow, it is game-changing. And, you know, as we speak, we grow 100 bags of groceries a week and send them home to cancer patients. You know, my little guys grow farms. We have community farms. Yesterday I was at the farm. I got calluses on my hands, bro. <laughs> Something you guys in Yuma can relate to. Oh, Totally. Totally. It's on my feet. I'm telling you, I need a pedicure. It, it's, it's no joke. <laughs> I'm sure we can work one of those out. My car hearts are chafing my tuchus, I should say. <laughs> Open Field Radio. Like, share, subscribe. Look, it's this simple. Agitate, expose, and improve control with Captiva Prime Insecticide. Captiva Prime is OMRI approved and compatible for use with or around beneficial insects. That's a good thing. Captiva Prime has the unique ability to drive the insects and the mites out of hiding for more contact with treated surfaces. Increasing the exposure time of other contact insecticides in your tank mix. And it's labeled for use on outdoor 
and indoor crops. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Company. Open Field Radio. Population. The area you live in. 45,000 people. Eight square blocks. 25% unemployment. The poorest congressional district in America. The least healthy county in all of New York State. The highest rates of juvenile diabetes, obesity, heart disease, tuberculosis, underemployment, and chronic and uh, and, and uh, second opportunity underemployment. And food, I would think, would be the great equalizer in some ways. In some ways, it is. Listen, the clown, the king, and the colonel are on mm-hmm. every single corner sure. in my community, sure. uh, interspersed with the dialysis machine. Right. And, you know, there's this great media myth that calls communities like mine a food desert. We are not a food desert. We're a food swamp. We are flooded with shiznit. You know, everything yeah. is a mess. It's a manufactured edible synthetic substance. Uh, it is calorie-rich and processed. There are 60 flavors of soda in the average bodega. You can't mm. get a bottle of water. You know, I can get I can get liquor and a handgun more easily than I can get lettuce. Right. But um, it is tough to find healthy, fresh food. So we are changing that, and I'm very proud to be a part of it for sure. Well, and that's the anomaly, yes? Fresh food. Right. And children really get excited. And here's the other thing. You know, we have partnered here in the South Bronx towards 2,200 living wage jobs. And I couldn't be more proud of that. The community that has 25% unemployment, nothing is more exciting for me. And yes, I'm an educator, but really changing lives through the dignity of public education and connecting it to meaningful living wage opportunities. In 2007, I gave a talk at Columbia University uh, called From Crack to Cucumbers. And literally brought down a bunch of young men and women who were selling crack and heroin across uh, the South Bronx and Washington Heights in Harlem and instead transitioned to selling fresh fruits and vegetables. And they talked about what a difference it made in their lives and the lives of their communities and, quite frankly, the customers they were interfacing with. You know, I've never seen anyone get shot over a cucumber. <laughs> no, no, that is very true. Yeah, so it, it's been game changing and it continues to be game changing. And the support and the love I have received along the way, I could not be more appreciative. So it's certainly not all me, it is certainly reflective of we, of my community. And I like to say we are putting the unity back into community and taking this movement from the South Bronx across America and literally around the world. You are. When did all of this that you were doing as a teacher looking for something to do that was deemed the science teacher, when did all of this become the Green Bronx machine? So, good question. We've always been the Green. What happened, <laughs> believe it or not, so, uh, I, knew it, I knew a guy. I had exactly. a colleague who was really fascinated with media and the urban revitalization scene, the underground scene that was happening in the South Bronx, whether it was me and a couple of other colleagues, doing really innovative stuff in the urban green space, whether it was stormwater mitigation, rooftop farming, environmental stuff, people saw it coming. And and this guy ran a media company, but he was really fascinated by my kids. And the interesting thing is he was looking to pitch a multi-million dollar media endeavor to some high-tech investors. And he figured the best place to practice his pitch was to come in to my class. 
and face, you know, 17 uh, gang members, you know, because you could entertain <laughs> them. Right. And this guy came in, my friend Evan, and every week he put on an amazing kind of presentation about what the power of media, what the power of messaging, and what the promise of a good, clean, green economy could look like for communities like ours. And the children loved it. The young people loved it. It totally resonated with them. And that kind of gave birth to the notion that we could create this Green Bronze Machine. And literally, Green Bronze Machine started as an after-school program with overage, undercredited youth, and has now evolved into a K-12 and beyond program. Started in earnest in about 2007, 2008. Um, we got our 501c3, which is really funny. You know, I run a nonprofit. I'm a broke guy running a nonprofit sure. my whole life. So go figure. There's right. a good anomaly. Sure. Um, we became a nonprofit in about 2011. The same year, my TED Talk, uh, I gave that nutty TED Talk that went viral. I'm still looking to meet Ted, by the way. Uh, I thought I was supposed to meet a guy named Ted. That's how unprepared I was for that. And I continue to fall up the ladder of success ever since. And it has taken off, you know, I like to say, from our Bronx greenhouse to the White House, from hope to the Pope. Um, you know, and, and you've done, you've presented at the White House, yes? Three times? Three times. Not once, but three times. <laughs> but three put a farm times. Inside, yeah, put a farm inside and out, you know, sat there, met with Miss Obama. Uh, the president himself, President Obama, cited our work as one of the leading um, contributors to combating climate change and the climate crisis. Um, you know, to be invited to South by South Lawn to cook in the White House, to have the White House chef Bill Yasses come and cook with us in the South Bronx and oh, continue to mentor and nurture our students has been game changing. But this is proof of one thing that we are Americans, Mexicans, Dominicans, yeah. African Americans. And this is our moment. And most importantly, as it relates to you, this is a unifying movement that really provides living wage job opportunities. And nourishment for all. And education and motivation and all the things that the schools say they struggle with, you're going, you're bringing it to them. It's not even in disguise. No, I'm bringing it head on, man. I'm a gangster. You know, make no doubt about it. I am straight up gangster about it. I come in, you know, with a, with two, with, with a spade on my, I like to say we are redefining hoeing in the South Bronx, but you know, I got a bunch of tools on my belt. That's for sure. I'm looking like the Batman of the urban garden space. That is a fantastic thing. But you know, the, here's the deal. And here's the real deal though. Children, no matter where they are, children will never be well-read if they're not well-fed. Mm. So the more I sat in as a dean of students, dealing with disruptive students, disengaged students, what do you have for breakfast? Soda, chips, cookie, an energy drink, more often than not, nothing. And when you're dealing with children who are malnourished or poorly nourished, they're never going to learn. They're never going to be excited. They're never going to be engaged. They're Correct. dealing with so much other stuff. But when you grow food in class and you do it in really exciting, innovative ways, and you can eat it, and you can grow copious amounts, that's really, really exciting for everyone. And even if you don't want to eat it, you can find someone who wants to buy it. Because in this age of food allergies, I've never met a kid who's allergic to money. <laughs> that's, that's a fact. Right. So it's really game-changing. You know, I want to thank, you know, really thank our friends at Gotham Greens and so many others in the movement for providing living wage opportunities and decent working conditions. Because no one ever wants to grow up and say, hey, I'm going to be the French fry guy at McDonald's and I'm right. going to sit in that polyester suit behind a bulletproof window for life. 
But I have young people who have found their place and found their space working in greenhouses, you know, being appropriately dressed, but listening to music, doing their own thing independently. No, they're growing Mm -hmm. food, um, feeding people, being treated decently, you know, getting to witness growth and, 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 and nourishing plants, knowing that they are helping to save the planet and save their friends. And I'll tell you what, I got a lot of kids who have really become engaged in the whole food movement. You know, it, it's real sexy to learn how to cook. Gotta love it. You got it is. Yep. By golly, it is. So and if, one day, man, I'm gonna get out there and ride a tractor myself. There you go. There's a <laughs> yep. goal. I love it. Absolutely, yeah. If I walk into your classroom, what do I see? If you walk into my classroom, what do you see? You see eight tower gardens, which represents eight times forty, approximately three hundred and twenty plants in in one uh, in one sector. Mm-hmm. You'll see an amazing grow rack, courtesy of my friends at Port Americas. You probably know who they are, mm-hmm. my dear friend Chris Higgins, who hooked us up, um, and we're growing about uh, on that rack about fifty bags of leafy greens a week. There you um, go. You'll see a state-of-the-art Green Bronx Machine mobile classroom kitchen, which is a plug-and-play kitchen unit that only costs about $7,000, which allows a classroom to instantly become a USDA-approved, UL-listed kitchen. You'll see bicycle-powered blenders. You'll see, you know, all kinds of hydroponics, aquaponics, you know, you name it, we've got it. But the most important thing you're going to see is quality bell-to-bell instruction and happy, healthy, high-engaged children. And, you know, our school is proof in point. You know, we went from being one of the poorest performing schools in all of New York City to outperforming the citywide and statewide norms in under four years on standardized tests and making the cover of Time Magazine for Kids. So I couldn't be more proud of my students, my colleagues, my community, my principal. You know, a big shout out to Community School District 9, Superintendent Leticia Rosario, my principal, Luis Torres, for having the faith in me. And remarkably, we are now building this model around the country and around the world. Yes, you are. And it took, yeah. a, it took a team, if you will, to make it happen. You had to get approvals. You had to get people to get on board. How did you, how did you convince people this was what needed to happen? Well, <laughs> <laughs> are we on the air? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, sorry. Jokingly <laughs> say, no, I jokingly say asking for permission is begging for denial. Sure. Um, so usually what I like to do is just get things done and give everyone else credit, which is it's a very effective uh, technique in life. I recommend it in business and marriage. But more importantly, you know, I do want to shout out my principal, Luis Torres, um, who was really struggling with his school and had an empty, unproductive space, you know, an empty library in a 110-year-old building four years up that was really a junk pile. And I was kind of looking to do something new. And I said, Luis, if you believe in me, I will make this worth your while. And he took a leap of faith in our superintendent, uh, you know, Leticia Rodriguez-Rosario, who's very data-driven, saw the impact on behavior, on teacher retention, on teacher engagement, on the Board of Ed, you know, from my dear colleague Nancy Woods to the Chancellor himself, Richard Carranza, have all been very supportive. Um, You know, but I think the proof is in the pudding. That's the bottom line, you know, but from day one, we were determined to put the unity back into our community. This was something that got children and teachers excited. We then translated it from excitement to commitment, um, you know, and uh, really to tangible, measurable academic results and data. You know, the state chancellor, Dr. Betty Rosa, got on board. We partnered with the State University of New York, my dear friend, Dr. Ray Bowdish up at SUNY Potsdam to build a greenhouse there. So we have really, you know, 
kind of figured out a K to 12 and beyond continuum that really serves a community that needs it most. And, and we are continuing to grow something greater. And then overseas where, um, you know, I'm working in Dubai and Qatar, where food security is such an issue and obviously limited, uh, limited access to water is also a critical issue. Right. They saw the cutting edge innovation that I was a part of as absolutely critical to their infrastructure. And I'm so proud to be the director of health, wellness and innovation for East Hall Education. Um, and, you know, having built the first net positive school on food and energy in the world at the Sustainable City, Fair Green International School. A big shout out to the Abu Chakra family and to our principal, you know, Graham Scott, our head of school. School over there. It's called head of school. And to my dear colleague, Bill DeBruge over at Dunecrest American that has, I think, 16 tower gardens in schools. The children love growing food in the middle of the desert. More of Open Field Radio after this. So here you go. EcoSwing from Gowan, USA is an OMRI-approved botanical fungicide created using proprietary plant extracts. Gotta love it. EcoSwing is labeled for use on many different crops to control powdery mildew, botrytis, monolinea, alternaria, and several other diseases. And it's a global leader in fungicidal control of several key pathogens. EcoSwing makes a valuable addition to your integrated pest management program. Add another mode of action to your disease control defense and combat possible resistance from overuse of other actives. EcoSwing. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Company. And now back to Open Field Radio with our guest, Stephen Ritz. Let's back up a minute talking about your classroom. You've talked, I've heard you mention a couple times, the, the Tower Garden. Now, I saw a picture of this thing. I haven't seen one in person, but if I understand it right, in about in less than an hour, is that right? You can have this thing up so and running? I like to say, so you'll appreciate this, Mark. I go from a box to a garden in 45 minutes there if you're you a man. And 15 minutes if you're a woman, because you'll read the directions and watch the video. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's goof-proof. It's pretty cool. Totally cool. But what I love most about Tower Garden are the 100,000-plus people who are online and part of this community. So, mm -hmm. for me, you know, I was, like, always the MacGyver of the space, if you will. I was iterating. I was inventing. I was making a mess. My wife was supportive. But I would be at school six, seven hours a day after school building things, you know, bribing custodians. Right. None of that was replicable. And then even if it was replicable, my goal, my job is really to be a teacher. So when I found technology that was absolutely turnkey and came with this massive, wonderful, supportive community, it's like a movement. It, it's, you know, it's a movement. Growing food at home is a movement. So what it did is it took the focus of the technology off of me, allowed teachers to become part of this incredibly robust and supportive community, and allowed me to focus on what I need to focus on, pedagogy, test scores, professional development, you know, school climate, school culture. And, and that has been the blessing. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And the best is, you know, you really grow a copious amount of food in a 30 by 30 inch footprint using 90% less water. God knows how much less space, irregardless of seasonality. And if you get tired of it, guess what? You put it back in the box and send it to someone you love <laughs> instead of it becoming an eyesore. But that's a real issue. That's right. In a 30 by 30 inch space. Right. So it's been game changing. You know, we did a video called Teachers Change Live. And it debuted in 2013. It's one of the videos that I'm most proud of in my career. Um, you can go to the Green Bronze Machine website and see it. 
And the, the day, I think the year after that video was seen, you know, we went from one school in America, my, one classroom in America, to having a tower garden, I think, to 10,000. But the most important thing about that video, it's been seen three or four million times, mm-hmm. is that every single child in that video has gone on to graduate high school. See? And that's the first ever, you know, for, for a school like ours. Sure. So, and those children, you know, went on to farm and be in the White House. So I, I couldn't be more proud of what we accomplished as a team. Well, and your classroom. Yeah, so, well, the interesting thing about my classroom is at one point in one school, we were growing enough food in that classroom to feed 450 students a healthy school-based plant-based meal. And we were doing it routinely. When we, we went on to win the New York City Strategic Alliance for a Health Award, Citywide Award of Excellence. We've modified that somewhat. That's when I was really more obsessed on output of food than anything else. Um, so, you know, my career, I'm, I like to say I'm on the learning curve of man, <laughs> on the evolutionary chart of man. I, too, am moving from the left to the right. Sure. So I've focused somewhat now more on different techniques and education and professional development than turning every single available inch of my classroom into an urban jungle, so to speak. But, you know, that, that that's that's the beauty of it. But, you know, we've won the Citywide Award for Excellence. Uh, we were named the top 10 health and wellness program in America by the Harkin Institute for two years in a row. We've been named the top 100 educational innovation in the world by the 100 organization. I was a top 10 finalist in the Global Teacher Prize. Yeah, I could go on and on and on. But, you know, the, the most important thing is really what we are doing in the South Bronx, which is growing a happy, healthy, resilient community. One who understands that, you know, in a community that is limited by what we have, we are the ones we are waiting for and that no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. There you go. And that we are the ones who can really change our own destiny. And we're doing it one seed at a time, one classroom at a time, one plant at a time, one student at a time. And it is really, really exciting. And from the South Bronx to 20 states to five countries and on and on and on. You keep going. Yeah, we got a documentary coming out this fall. So I'll call you back when it debuts. Let's it's do really, it. Yeah, no, it's what's interesting is that the documentary is literally been following us around the country for the past two years. They're putting the final tweaks on it. I can't wait to see oh, it. Cool. Highlighting our impact in, com- in some of the most diverse communities. So, you know, I'm in an urban community. We went to rural Iowa. We were in Toledo. We were in parts of Indiana. We were in, you know, places in the country that you'd never, ever, ever imagine us being. And in each and every community, we were able to achieve, you know, a great modicum of success. It's one of the things I'm so proud of. You know, that's why I wrote the book, The Power of a Plant. Um, you know, remarkably, I always say I've never had a job that I couldn't get fired from. But to think <laughs> that my book went on to become a number one bestseller and it is did. being used by schools and school districts and administrators around the world is game changing. And best of all, you know, all proceeds of the book go to support the program. So 100 percent of the proceeds support the Green Bronze Machine. We've gone on to hire parents, uh, support schools build farms, and do all kinds of charitable and philanthropic endeavors around the nation. So it's been a blessing. And there's a replica of your classroom at the U.S. Botanical Gardens in Washington, D.C. That is super that cool. That is true. That is true super that, cool. amigo, they decided, you know, to see our classroom. Um, and the amazing thing, if you go to our classroom or you can Google up Welcome to the National Health, Wellness, and Learning Center at CS55, mm-hmm. it's a really cool two-minute video made by students. I should have sent it to you. Uh, I forgot to, but I also, I think I overwhelmed you with enough links. Oh my gosh. Let me go in there and look. Um, you know, that classroom 
is being replicated now around the country. And that classroom is low cost. It is absolutely low cost. And that's the beauty of the work that I do. I Yes, I work in Dubai. Yes, I work in Qatar. But I grew up in the South Bronx and I understand the value of a dollar. And what I mean by that is we created a program that is absolutely replicable. You know, you go from a box to a garden in 45 minutes. Our curriculum comes with a lifetime site license. No annual fees, no tiered subscriptions, none of that nonsense. <laughs> we are yours for life. And I, I, I regret using the word nonsense, but, you know, my whole point is to make this as affordable and low cost and turnkey and supportive as possible. You know, no addiction theory, you know, no, oh, you got to sign up for this. You got to sign up for that. You got to pay for this. You got to pay for that once and you're done and we've got you for life and we've got the data to prove it. So I couldn't be more proud of the Green Bronx Machine Classroom curriculum. I couldn't be prouder of the technology that we are using. And most importantly, I couldn't be more proud to show that in the least likely place in the United States, children love eating, growing and sharing their way with good health and healthy technology towards paradigms of success and school performance that no one ever imagined. Yeah. I couldn't be more proud of our partnership with Jonathan Taves and the Chicago Blackhawks. As soon as I get off the phone with you, I'm running to the TV. Let's go Blackhawks. <laughs> but realize Jonathan, Jonathan Taves um, and his foundation and the support of the Chicago Blackhawks, we've transformed 60 schools in Chicago. Well, and, and I see with the Blackhawks and Jonathan Taves and everything there, the academic numbers alone for that program there are incredible. Right. 84% of students now know how to calculate the appropriate unit of liquid measurements up from 15%. 77% of students know how to identify five parts of a correctly written business letter and on and on along with the science side of it. Right. Well, you're this is hired, amazing. man. Mark, you're hired. You got a career as our PR guy. Thank <laughs> you for shouting that out. But, no, but these numbers know, are do. amazing. These numbers well, are absolutely staggering. Well, listen, when learning is fun and children are engaged, anything sure. is possible. And we say that all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, think about your first great experience with school. We set out with very intentional purpose to create a fascinating, engaging, teacher-centric, project-based classroom experience that has a role for everybody. But, you know, make no doubt about it, Jonathan, as an athlete, is phenomenal. And as he got on in his career, he realized that nutrition was probably the one thing that he was lacking most. Mm -hmm. and, he, and by the luck of by the luck of the stars, he reached out to me. I didn't even know who he was. You know, I've never played hockey in my life. I never owned a pair of skates. <laughs> but to get a call from the captain of, you know, one of the most esteemed teams in the league. Right. With one, you know, interested in doing work in one of the most challenged communities across greater Chicagoland for the benefit of children and teachers was game-changing. The fact that he went on to become, you know, the, uh, the Chicagoan of the year last year, the NHL's environmental athlete and this year's finalist for the Clancy Award, speaks to his vision, his commitment. And, man, I hope the Blackhawks <laughs> win today. But, you know, I can't thank him and the amazing Chicago Blackhawks organization for all their support. Oh, In fact, we're going to be taking over next. This is amazing. Next month, what we're doing is with with Jonathan, the Blackhawks, and By the Hand Foundation, we're actually taking over a liquor store 
in some of the cha- most challenged communities in the area. Uh-huh. We're buying out the lease of the liquor store and replicating our classroom and turning it into a pop-up educational farm. So while Amazing. schools are closed this fall, school will be open and run by the community, in the community. Wow. Growing healthy food and healthy outcomes. Look at you. And, you know, it's just a call to action that I'm hoping athletes, celebrities, philanthropists, and do-gooders, you know, replicate around the nation. And, you know, I always say that's the beauty of a seed well planted. You get a crop of epic proportions and make no doubt about it. I am determined to grow something greater. You are infectious, my friend. Infectious. I'm having fun. Yeah, you are. And it's it's so obvious. And you know what's so beautiful is you have this system, okay? And you're completely unguarded with it. You want to give it. You want people to have this information. You want Dude, this, you this system what you is have like by giving it away. Yeah, you yeah. keep what you have by giving it away. I have been blessed um, in so many ways. And you know, the odyssey of my work is you know this you probably don't know, but you know I'm coming to you at a fit and trim 185 pounds today. You know, ready. I'm still waiting for the NBA to call me back. And if the Knicks call this year, I'm willing to get in shape. I can see odds it. I can that, see it. Odds are that won't happen. <laughs> but you know, um, it almost happened 30 years ago. But along the way, I got a little hungry and I swelled up to 320 pounds. Ooh. You know, I was a diabetic. You know, I had a 54 inch waist. You know, wow. I had a heart attack. I okay. was on 80 milligrams of Lipitor a day and. You know, the one thing I did is I ate myself back to good health simply by eating the food that I grew with kids in school. And if I can, you can. It's a model for all. So it uh, really keeps me healthy. It keeps me grounded. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, if you're looking to connect with the Bronx Green Machine. Or no, Green Bronx Machine. Green, green Bronx Machine. Green Bronx say Machine. Say it done right, Mark. such a great job promoting this all day, Mark. <laughs> I got to make sure you get it right. Well, if you're looking to connect with the Green Bronx Machine, you can find them at greenbronxmachine.org. Yep, go to www.greenbronxmachine.org. Follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, like us on Instagram. And if you want to learn, you can always reach out to us at info at greenbronxmachine.org. To learn more about me, go to stephenritz.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We actually yeah. do our own social media. There's no high-paid analysts on our end. We are an all-volunteer organization. Um, and please get a copy of my book, The yeah. Power of a Plant, um, and give it to someone you love. And more importantly, give it to someone you hate. It'll change their <laughs> attitude and change their latitude. And the book comes with a double-your-money-back guarantee. If you don't like it, I'll buy it back for twice the price. There you go. Right now with the, everybody's stay at home and all those kind of things, how, what have you seen and how has it affected what you do and the community that you're in? Okay, so first and foremost, you know, let's get a couple of things clear. Let us not confuse the screen deal with the green new deal because you can't eat a laptop. So right. having access to healthy, fresh food during this coronavirus and during this time of tremendous food insecurity is perhaps the most important thing families can do together. Eating less processed food and eating more fresh fruits and vegetables is the single way to single most effective way to increase your immune system. So, as kitchen tables become the new classrooms, nothing is more important to me right now than cultivating a sustainable palate and taking the time to come together, to cook together, to reconnect with our families, our neighbors and our loved ones around shared values. Beautiful. The beauty of bo- 
books, the beauty of, you know, hopefully the post office will work out this issue with the post office, communicating with other people, but the power of the internet for something good. I like to say, you know, go from Facebook to Facebook, connecting with people around meaningful engagement and opportunity is important. But, you know, I've been having children across the city and around New York growing in windowsills, growing in ledges, growing in yogurt containers, growing in coffee cans and two-liter bottles. I don't expect everyone to have a tower garden in their home, but I do expect children to understand what it's like and parents to get involved in project-based learning with their children at home. Sure. But I will share with you this, as you probably know, the industry itself is seeing record interest. Um, you know, record growth numbers in right. terms of interest, in terms of sales, in terms of seeds being sold, in terms of home gardening units. You know, now more than ever, people want to control their food supply. Right. They want to make sure no one's touched it, sneezed on it, breathed on it, that, you know, it hasn't traveled four or 5,000 miles. Sure. I um, mean, that they're getting it at peak freshness. So this is a whole opportunity to reinvent our local food system, our national food system, and most importantly, our personal consumption habits. Because every day we vote with our fork, we vote with our mouth, we vote with our wallet, and hopefully this November everyone will get out and vote for the candidate of their choice and vote at the ballot. There you go. I like that. Right. That is yeah. awesome. You know, I would tell you find a job you like, but man, you you have found it. You are incredible. Dude, I'm just one guy determined to make a difference. And here's the fact, Jack. Mark, the fact <laughs> is, Mark, all the data points to the fact that children who have access to one kind, caring adult will succeed in life. And I'm determined to be that kind, caring adult for as many students and children as possible and for as many teachers and colleagues as possible. Because no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. And the degree to which we resist injustice is the degree to which we are free. So for me, it's not only about empowering myself, it's about empowering others, it's about being accessible, it's about giving it away, and it's about teaching children that you do not have to be a consumer. You can be a producer. You can grow your own. You can grow your own food. You can grow your own destiny. You can grow your own opportunity. And that the power of unity in our community is that which brings us together and helps us overcome the larger obstacles of life. Man, Stephen Ritz, Green Bronx Machine, what a treasure you are, my friend. Yeah, I can't wait to get out and visit you, when man. Are you be here? I will be out in Arizona. I'm an Arizona State graduate, and I'm forever grateful to Arizona State University. And, and of course, my mentor and college advisor, who remarkably I stay in touch with to this day, Dr. Stan Zucker. How fun. Who got me into ASU. Um, after being asked to graduate elsewhere several times, I might add, um, and really took a chance on me and my vision and really helped hone me into the student that I continue to aspire to be today because I believe we're all lifetime learners. In the words of David Letterman, there is no off position on the genius switch, and that 100% relates to you. Well, thank you, Mark. Get out there and grow something greater and make epic happen in your own life. You've been listening to Open Field Radio from Gowan Company. Like, share, subscribe, review. Everywhere podcasts are found. All rights reserved. No duplication or redistribution without permission.